we talk about Romans 12, as we look at the gifts, and this has been a long series, Lord, but I feel like this is all about you imparting vision and destiny and identity for who we are so that we can be released to be deployed to be the people of God that you want us to be. Lord, open our hearts to hear. We've read the scriptures probably many times, but give us fresh anointing, fresh uh, ability to hear and respond to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, I didn't get, uh, you know, we've been working with a short crew, you know, obviously for the last several weeks, and uh, without uh, Leah here, I haven't been able to get stuff up on the, my sermons are not off the wall like they used to be, so... (laughs) Romans 12.1, if you want to turn there in your Bible, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. You can look at your Bible there. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, and brothers means brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'll say it again in a moment, but you can't understand God's will if your mind is not renewed. You have to experience transformation, and then you begin to see as God wants you to see. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." How many of you know that you belong to everybody else in the room? Never thought about that, did you? You see, you might think we belong to Jesus, but when you come to Jesus, we belong to one another. There are implications there. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Then he gets to the gifts. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And there are seven gifts that Paul mentions there. And we'll start today, and if we run out of time, we'll just pick this up next week. But a little bit of context. If you, and I, I don't mean just the verses right before this, but the whole book of Romans, a little bit of context about what Paul is saying. It's all about unity. Yes. He's telling the Jewish believers they need the Gentile. He's telling the Gentile believers you need the Jewish believers. And you can't do this alone. It's all about God's mercy and grace working in all of us. We need to understand this in the light of biblical community. Our rugged individualism in America often leads us away from the truth here. When I, uh, years ago, Janice and I went down and we studied Spanish and got a degree in Spanish at El Instituto de Lengua Española in Central America, the Spanish Language Institute. And uh, it's interesting, when you learn another language, you begin to understand more about your own language. 
And I was astounded as I read the Bible in Spanish because in English, all the yous in the Bible are just you. The context tells you whether it's you, plural, the whole community, or whether it's you individually. Well, in Spanish, it is more precise and it interprets it exactly whether it's for the whole community. And all of these individual yous that I thought were in the Bible, just me and God, all of them, it's just you and me here now, God. You know, we sing that song. That's okay. I mean, that's all right. As long as you don't forget, you have a responsibility to others. But a lot of those individual yous that I thought were in there were really to the whole community. It's to the entire community. We tend to see in Western culture, especially in the American Northwest Hemisphere, we tend to see our Christianity in terms of rugged individualism. It's us and God. You can't become who God wants you to be if you are isolated and disconnected from the rest of the body. That means that you need to cultivate relationships and walk in relationship, but I don't get along with them. Do you think Judas and Matthew or Levi, do you think those guys got along together when Jesus had them walking together? They're probably thinking, Jesus, I like, but that guy over there, he's either going to kill me or I'm going to kill him. It's true. I mean, one was the party that was in favor of Rome. The other was in the party of insurrection and overthrowing the Roman. Do you think the, the, those parties got along okay? That's a lot wider than Democrat and Republican. This is, we're talking about two different parties in Israel that were, I mean, it was serious. And yet Jesus was saying, you guys need to learn to get along with one another. So we tend to think of things very much individualistically. When we read the whole thing about Romans and the gifts here, we need to understand that Paul is talking about community and how these are lived out in community. I have people that I run into occasionally that say to me, well, I really am not part of a church. I, I was hurt in a church. I kind of gave up in a church. I mean, we can give up on anything. You know, I was raised in a family once. It didn't work out. I've, got, I've, got, you know, I've given up on family. <laughs> if you love people and you're close to people, they will hurt you. Sometimes it's intentional and you need to get away from that. Sometimes it's unintentional and hopefully we can reconcile that. But can we be honest about it here? We knock the edges off of one another, and sometimes even in our brokenness, because some of us have come from some pretty rugged pasts, God can bring healing and restore us and help us to heal others. I don't think God endorses what happens to us, but he can take what happened to us if we give it to him, and he takes the broken pieces and puts it back together. Does that make sense? Some of you say, but man, you don't know what happened. Can I tell you, the enemy doesn't play fair. Sometimes he'll go after people when they're children to try to take them out because he sees all the potential in their life. You want two examples? Moses and Jesus. Wipe out all the children and let's try to get rid of this Savior. That's a pattern of the devil. So some of you, the, the devil came after you early in your early years because he saw the potential long before you did of what God wanted to do in your life. So let God heal that and, and let him restore you and bring you to the place where he wants you to be. That's part of his healing. That's part of the new creation that God wants us to be. Does that make sense? And in the process, we need to risk relationship and relating to one another, even people that we aren't always comfortable with, and we need to create those, uh, that community that God wants us to walk in. Actually, it's there. We just need to walk in it. So he says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
This is a different word than the word we usually get with worship, which is proskuneo. It means to bow down, to prostrate yourself before the Lord. This is the word latreo, and it can be translated service or worship. Worship is more than what we proclaim with our mouths. It's how you live your life every day. And Paul is saying the way that you do your job is worship. The way that you love your children is worship. The way that you care for other people is worship to God. Did you ever think about that? We need to broaden our lexicon today and understand that worship is not just what we say with our mouth. It's how you live your life. It's a glory to God. This is going to sound really strange, but one of, one of my favorite hobbies is skiing. I love to ski. And when I, when I get out there you know, on a cold day and I get at the top of the hill, and I've been skiing since I've been a little guy, so I just let it rip. And, uh, and I tear down the mountain, and there's a rhythm there, and I'm going down the hill. I feel like I'm worshiping God. As a matter of fact, I get so filled, full of the joy of the Lord, I just start praising him because that's part of my spiritual worship. And then on the chairlift on the way up, I can talk to people about Jesus, and they can't get away from me. <laughs> All right, so the cat's out of the bag now. But we're called to daily lay our lives down before God. He gave us salvation free, like I said earlier, through grace. We no longer need to die for our sins. Hallelujah. The debt has been paid, but we are called to be living sacrifices. In other words, living our life to him. Verse 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Literally, one of the best translations of this passage is, don't let the world press you into its mold. There is a strong compression force out there right now trying to make you think a certain way. There is a strong force in our culture that's trying to get you to conform to a whole set of values and beliefs that are contrary to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're contrary to the word of God. And what the Lord is saying is you need to be counterculture. I loved it last week when Pastor Dinah said, if you're going to do the Sabbath, you're going to need to be counterculture. You're going to need to throw off all the other things that people want to put on you. And you're going to need to say, I'm, I'm not doing what the world does. I'm doing this. And I'm going to fight for truth. And I'm going to stand in truth. And I'm not going to let that press me into the mold. Remember when we were kids, we used to have those Play-Doh mold kits. Remember that? Where Play-Doh extrusion kits where you put the Play-Doh in and you push it out. I mean, that's how I feel sometimes with all the cultural stuff around us. And there's, whoever said, all right, I'm going to get off my notes here, so put your seatbelts on. Whoever said that people in Hollywood should have opinions that are more important than mine? Hello? Is anybody paying attention? Why are there, are they better educated? All right, Derek, be nice. <laughs> I just love the expression on your face. <laughs> Who said? We give weight to things that people say, and we have this constant feed, whether it's the internet or social media or whatever, telling you what to think and how to think and what your value should be and trying to sell you something. 24 hours a day, they're selling you not just products, they're selling you image, ideas, and everything else. So we need to ask the question, are we going to be conformed by that, or are we going to be conformed to the image of Christ? And if we are going to be conformed to the image of Christ, that means we need to purposely resist 
My boss, many years ago, when I lived in Missouri, had a sign on his wall. It says, ignore the dominant paradigm. <laughs> and uh, I guess that works sometimes. I used to ask him about that. Are you sure? You know. But in this case, we need to ignore the dominant paradigm. We need to ask questions. And, and in a nice way, why do you believe what you do? Is there truth to back that up? By the way, I still believe in facts in a post-fact, post-truth era. Facts do matter. Truth does matter. If we ever get to the point where people say, you know what, I saw the stop sign, but it really doesn't matter. It's all relative. I mean, if that's where we're going. Okay. You hear what I'm saying there. There's a German word, zeitgeist. It means the spirit of this age. Here's how it's, here's how it's uh, translated. It's the dominant set of ideals and beliefs that motivate the actions of members of a society in a particular period of time. It's another way to interpret it as the spirit of this age. And that's what the Bible calls it. So you're going to live according to the spirit of this age or you're going to live according to the Holy Spirit who is making the word of God alive to us. Most people, without thinking, are carrying along by the zeitgeist of the day. They would never go against what is commonly believed in practice. The problem is they never think about what they think about. They never examine what they believe. They do what trends dictate. They're caught up in this river, and they're just moving along with the flow, and they're thinking, I'm okay as long as I'm not getting any flack from anybody. So Romans 2 says, be counterculture. We need to challenge what is believed and commonly practiced in our world today. And the Bible says that when we allow our minds to be transformed, when we really begin to see and God sets us free from those things that hold us captive, then we can understand his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now let me say something here. I've heard people do teaching series on the good will of God, the pleasing will of God, and the perfect will of God. I think that's reading into the text here. I don't think there are three paths that you can go on. There's like a low, middle, and a high path. Uh, I don't think that's what that's all about. There are just three adjectives. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. He's just saying this is what God's will is. Okay, does that make sense? You say, but sometimes I make mistakes and I get out of God's will. Well, he gives you an opportunity called repentance to realign and get back in immediately. That's the kind of God that we have. But when you, when you allow your mind to be transformed and you stop living according to the zeitgeist of the day and you live by the power of the Spirit and you live with your eyes open referencing God. Some of you remember many years ago we had Alistair Petrie um, here, a wonderful man of God uh, based in Canada. He shared with us the principle of referencing. And he talked about holding a brand new baby. So John and Diane, you're going to have to watch this with a new grandchild. And they talked about how sociologists, anthropologists have discovered that babies reference the, the loving adults in their life so many times per minute. It's amazing. They are constantly looking at you. They are constantly looking at the image of your face. They are constantly looking to you for cues about what life is about. That's how they learn. Think about how much babies learn. God wants us to reference him continuously. When the Bible says take every thought captive, what he's saying is all throughout our day and every moment we need to reference God. We need to be in a continuous um, communication with him, a conversation with him. It's okay to say it out loud. Lord, what do you think about that? Yesterday I was in a store. I was going to buy something. I said, Lord, what do you think about that? The Lord said, that's not it. 
Seriously. He didn't shake his head, but I knew. I just had this feeling in my heart. The Lord was saying, no, don't spend this money, and this is not for you right now. And I walked away. You can reference God about all sorts of things in your life. He wants us to honor him, acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct your past. If you don't reference him, if you don't acknowledge him, and I see the same thing, and I, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not comparing us to dogs, but I, I see this when I walk my dog, Lucy, you know, and we're walking along, you know, she keeps looking at me. Am I, am I, am I okay? You know, kind of referencing. And, I, and it always reminds me, we need to reference the Lord in our life. That's part of having our mind renewed. And then he says in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God wants to create humility in us. He wants to create a culture of humility in our church. Humility does not mean putting ourselves down. Humility doesn't mean exalting others and putting ourselves down. It does mean we need to consider others before ourselves. But humility means to look at ourselves in the light of God's truth. The Lord looks at us and he says, yeah, there's some things you need to work out, but I love you and, and, and you are my son, you are my daughter. And the Lord tells us these things and he walks with us. Humility is having a, the picture that God has for us, that realistic picture for us, not having an inflated picture. Humility means that we have a heart that is teachable. We're willing to listen not only to God, but to other people that God puts in our life. What is your teachability index? And it's funny how we measure spiritual maturity in the church. I think that, that the humility and teachability are two measures of maturity that tell us a lot about who you are. When I'm in a group of leaders, and I was, I was so blessed yesterday to be with this group of mature leaders because I saw these guys, nobody was posturing. Nobody was trying to present their own thing. They were just all delighted to be there in the presence of the Lord. There were spiritual fathers and mothers. And you know, the whole, the interesting thing is nobody was striving and fighting with one another or saying, hey, trying to, you know, well, this is what our ministry does. There was this just joy to be together because there was a maturity there. Another, another element of how we measure spirituality, and we're going we're gonna to look at the gifts, but we're also going to look at the ways of God because almost every time Paul or one of the other writers of Scripture gives us the gifts, they also include ways of God, how to walk in those gifts. And that's why he's saying, before he gets into the gifts here, the context is you have to have a heart of humility to make this work. That's the way it's got to be. But remember, I, I've told you this many times, how offendable are you? If you want to know how mature you are in Christ, how easy do you get offended? How easy do you stay offended? Our offendability is a major measure. Francis Frangipani, one of the guys who's I've learned a lot from over the years, from Iowa, um, says our, how offendable we are is really one of the major measures of how we've come to look like Jesus. Because if anybody had a right to be offended, it was Jesus. He never did anything wrong, and they crucified him. Instead of being offended, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. And when we can get to that place where there's so much love in us that we are not offended, 
that we are unstoppable Amen. in the power of God. That doesn't mean we won't suffer necessarily, but it means that we're unstoppable in his presence and his power. Most pride is rooted in insecurity. Did you ever think about that? When people are being proud, what they're trying to do is establish who they are by contending for their own reputation. We do that sometimes, don't we? We are to take an honest look, the scripture tells us here, who we are in the light of God's truth with sober judgment is what he says. We all, and, and, and then he goes on to say, we all have a place in God's body, in the body of Christ. We all have, and to use this analogy of the human body, every one of us has a place where we connect and where we are connected to one another. Every one of us has something to bring to the table. Every one of us is vital. So this past week, this happened in prayer this morning. Two of us brought up solenoids. How many of you know what a solenoid is? You guys are awesome. Okay. I'm going, I'm, this is third part because I'm not a solenoid specialist, okay? But the furnace guy said, I'm going to look at what's going on here because he said, if your motor's burned out, he said, it's going to be really expensive. But I'm going to check a few things before I do that. And the first thing I'm going to look at is the solenoid. The solenoid is this, apparently this, this device, it's like a catalyst that gets the motor to start when it's time to come on at a certain temperature. So he looked at it and he says, well, first of all, he said, somebody put an aftermarket part from a uh, unnamed country in your furnace that's not like the rest of the furnace. And it's operating outside of the... He said, I just tested it. It's supposed to operate under 0.01, and right now it's operating at 0.014, and it's not able to kick your furnace on. It's almost there, but it's not quite there. So here's the interesting thing. So we have this really expensive machine in there, and the motor's working fine. Everything else is working fine, but one little $60 part kicked our air conditioning off. You may think in the body of Christ, what I do is not very important. Maybe nobody sees what you do. Can I tell you that some of the most powerful solenoids in the church are the praying grandfathers and grandmothers? You don't know what they do. They're releasing things in the spirit, and they don't care if you know what they do because they're happy and joyful in the Lord, and they do their job. Amen. We need to get over this whole thing of wanting to be recognized and just do our job. The way the body is designed to work is everybody... Now, when, when part of the body doesn't work, you all of a sudden know it's there. How many of you are aware of your appendix right now? I'm glad nobody raised their hand. Because if you are, we need to call 911 and get that $60 appendix part replaced. Actually, it'll be more than that, won't it? We're still not sure what the appendix does, although I guess people in the medical fields are having more respect. I guess it does more than they thought it did years ago. Those pieces, parts are in there for a reason. Yes. And they depend on one another. And it's funny how little things that are connected to one another, when one goes out, the other goes out. So you may say, I don't have a big role. I don't have something to do. Everybody has to do what God has called them to do for us to be complete. We are connected to one another. Amen. I didn't even know I had a solenoid until it went out. Some of you need a solenoid, don't you? Some of you are solenoids. You're catalysts in the body of Christ. Hear me. I, I'm camping on this, but I think it's true. 
We also, we are, we're designed by God to live and find our destiny and community and interrelatedness. You can't become who God wants you to be on your own. You need other people that you're walking with in the body of Christ to help bring definition to who you are. That means honoring others higher than ourselves. That means understanding that not only does God love me, but he loves everybody else just as much in the body of Christ. And that he's got a plan and purpose for each one of us. Some of us believe, yeah, I believe that God loves people and that he has a plan for them. I know he has one for Chip and I know he has one for Chaz, but, but I'm not sure about me. We walk around with an orphan spirit or a spirit of rejection and, and we, we can see it in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. Is it true? You need to receive this today. God has a design, a plan, a purpose. If you don't know what that is, we're here to help you understand what that is. And that's a lot of what our team did in Russia in ministry, helping people. We also need to respect each other's uniqueness and give space to their gift and place in the body of Christ. We are not here to compete with one another. We're here to grow together and help one another. Is it true? He says, in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. And we're going to see that even more as we get into the gifts and we look at the ways of God. And I would encourage you, we're going to stop here. I just feel like this is enough for today. But as we get into this and you look at this, and we're probably going to take two more weeks to look at the Romans passage here. I would encourage you to read Romans 12 a couple times over and say, Lord, show me. What are you wanting to show me about who I am? and how you want me to walk. What are the ways of God issues? Remember he says his ways are higher than our ways? We need to discover the ways of God. We walk in our own ways, and then we ask God to bless us. Now, it it breaks my heart. I'm going to close with this. It breaks my heart when I see somebody saying, I don't know why God never answers my prayers. And I don't know why my life is so tough and I see other people doing so well. And part of the issue for many people, not always, but this is the issue for many people is that we are walking in our own ways and expecting God to bless our ways instead of walking in his ways. And we keep taking a beating and we don't realize that what's happening is we haven't fully surrendered to the Lord. We haven't given ourselves over. Let me mention Francis Frangipani. I love this story. I've shared it probably five or six times here. He goes into a city and he's meeting with pastors and they're talking about dealing with the spiritual forces that are coming against that city. And uh, they're, they're talking in this conference about breaking strongholds to break through into God's destiny for their city and their region. And after a couple days, one of the pastors in a give and take session says, Hey, Pastor Francis, can you tell us you've been here a couple days now? You've been walking with us. What are you discerning? What is the major spirit that we are fighting right now in our city? He said, Yahweh. The guy said, what? He said, you haven't begun to fight the devil yet. He said, you're still fighting God. He said, you can't get along with one another and you're competing with one another. And there's a lot of pride in this room among the leaders. And until you repent and until you start humbling yourself, then you're really not going to fight the enemy. How's that for a sobering statement? And it's true on on an individual case. Sometimes we're fighting God and we think that God wants to bless us. 
This is a word for several people here today. So take hold of this, if this is you. If you're fighting this battle, you need to ask the question, God, am I still fighting you? Is it a matter of me surrendering to you? It's not the enemy beating me up, it's life. And we, there's a principle. God sets up principles that are as true as gravity. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, that therefore also shall he reap. Okay? It goes for women too, whatever a woman sows. But think about this. Whatever you sow, you reap. Some of us are looking at a harvest going, man, I've got weeds in my garden. Where do those come? You planted them. That's where they came from. Or you didn't eliminate them when God gave you a chance. And the Lord is saying, I want to put you on the right track. Can we just take a moment? Let's bow our heads. Let's allow God to work his word in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just speak. You have that way of just dropping ideas right into our heart and, and revealing things to us. And Lord, if there are some here that maybe they're stuck, maybe they haven't discovered that place where their mind has been renewed, where their hearts have been renewed, they can't see your will clearly, there's confusion. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would reveal to each one what you're calling them to do. And God, give us the courage. Give us the courage right now to say, Lord, I surrender everything to you. You can even tell God how you feel. You might say, Lord, I'm a little afraid right now because I don't know what this means. If I, if I really give myself to you, what does it mean? If I really surrender everything, am I going to lose? Are you going to do something? Are you going to call me to be a medical worker in Africa and I don't want to go or whatever it is? Lord, it doesn't matter. You have our best interests at heart all the time. I want to ask you this morning, I'm not going to call people forward. I don't feel like that's what the Holy Spirit wants this morning. But I do feel like he would ask you to stand to your feet. If there's a point of surrender and God is calling you to surrender, would you just take a stand right now? And I'm going to pray for everybody in a moment. If he's saying, this is a moment, this is one of those marker moments where I want you to come to a place and lay it down. Lord, there are many people right now that are standing in this room. Father, we just come to you right now. We know that you're a loving God. Give us the strength to walk in your ways. And we just say right now, Lord, can you just say it in your heart? Lord, we just lay down our lives. I lay down my life before you, God. I want to be a living sacrifice. Renew my mind, renew my heart, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just bless these that are standing right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Let's all stand together. Father, your presence is so sweet here today. We just thank you, Lord, that you come and it's not about a religious exercise that we're putting together, but it's about meeting with the God of the universe. We thank you that your presence is here in our midst. And Lord, we just right now in the name of Jesus offer up thanks and praise to you. Just tell them you love them. 
Lord, as we go forth today, I just pray that the words you've given us, the things that you're doing in our midst, that they would continue to live in our heart and our mind. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit work in each one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. Make us a blessing to the people around us, we pray in Jesus' name.